Blog Talk Radio. Talk.com and John M. Davis Books.wix.com, LFL Network. So, alongside Nkishi Free and Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez here. Another exciting week of women's gridiron, week five in the books. It looks in, in the WFA, it looks like the top tier teams in the league are going to be uh, showcasing themselves down the next couple weeks. And this weekend, May 7th, is the, the big showdown Chicago Force against D.C. Divas. Uh, it's going to be a clash of rivalries. They've always met in the playoffs. Um, always a friendly matchup. It's going to be pretty exciting this weekend. So we'll talk about that, as well as we'll talk about um, the LFL Week uh, 4 that happened uh, on YouTube, and as well as the big win for the Austin Acoustic and down in Texas. And so we'll recap a little bit of the NFL draft. Uh, our two guests today are going to be uh, Zoe Barnett and Tracy Day. Uh, they're at practice of the Chicago Force. So at this point, we'll see if they chime in. Um, they were having some, you know, difficult time trying to uh, figure out whether they're going to come in uh, interview or not. But if they do, we'll bring them in. And then towards the latter part of the hour here, we are going to have uh, Holly Custis, Seattle Majestics last two weeks, as well as uh, the uh, week five matchups, or I'm sorry, week six matchups kind of coming up in the WFA. So uh, first, and Kishi, uh, Troy, how are you guys doing? Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Well, well. Very good. Um, well, I know uh, you guys were having uh, like, weather out there. Oh, my gosh. It was terrible. The um, We had a tornado literally come right across our house. Um, it didn't touch down. But um, some of the scenes and pictures, it, um, it looked like that scene from um, uh, Independence Day when, like, there's this big circle cloud thing, and then there's, like, a hole, like, it's just going to suck us up into a vortex or something. Uh, I, I know. I, I read the news about lightning strikes, so I don't know if that was true or not. But Yeah, I, I well, saw some of the pictures. Uh, man, it, it did, man. It looked like it was something right out of the movie, man. I mean, some of them even looked like uh, like mushroom clouds. I said, right. wow. I mean, that that happens down in Charles County, I think, uh, a, little, uh, a lot, a lot, and, relatively yeah, it around does. the time and, of year. And that's where, and that's where I am. And um, some of the other pictures were literally um, right down 
the street from my house. Like I'm looking at the pictures on the news and I'm like, oh, not. Oh, snap. That's me, you know. And you and you, you just were like thankful. So we, uh, the kids and I sheltered in place and, you know, we did all that um, good training and everything. And then the hallway, away from the doors, away from the windows and, you know, just kind of rode it out. So I, I'm hoping that this will be a small pass, maybe within a couple of days, hopefully. Uh, Mother Nature is always unpredictable, as they say. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm wondering how the um, – well, and especially when the Divas have to play, you know, during this crazy uh, season, too, because we're really at the start of um, hurricane and um, tornado season. Isn't that right, Troy? Well, um yeah, right now, and then um, it'll it'll start back again toward um, uh, September. Hurricane season is around September and October, so um, this is just the beginning, just a little bit, you know, with the thunderstorms and uh, spring showers and high and low pressure systems and things like that. So that's what we're experiencing right now. It'll, um, you know, we'll, it'll those things will happen throughout the entire summer, but the hurricanes and things start around October, I mean, September and October. Well, speaking of hurricanes and tornadoes, you two think you're both slick, so I'm going to do it. I'm doing it live. I'm doing it on the air. Happy belated birthday to the two most awesome co-hosts on air. I literally have to be the luckiest lady in all of sports talk radio to have two amazing guys as my co-hosts, and you both share the same birthday. How awesome is that? So happy birthday, <laughs> Troy. Happy birthday, Oscar. Which is even funnier Wait. because, Troy, when we brought you on, I didn't even know that your birthdays were both the same. And I've known both of you now. Well, Troy, I've known you longer, but I've known both of you now many, many years. And who could have ever thought that when Oscar said, Kishi, we need a third, I said, I've got the perfect person. Now I know why you're the perfect fit. <laughs> there you go. It's like a slick glove. <laughs> no, yeah, I, was, man, I, was, I was, I got my Facebook post and I'm like, uh, Troy Wilson, birthday today. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, really? Today? Today's yeah, my day. Same thing I, said. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> This can't be the same oh. Oscar Lopez that I'm on the radio with. Nah, it can't yes, be. Yes, it is. <laughs> so it was. It was nice. That, uh, another tourist. Awesome. Another tourist. Total As my mother would say, another another bullish, uh, hard-headed individual <laughs> sitting in his way. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, yes. Not totally. a bad that, means that, this is, that means that we're a kismet little group here. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean, most of us can't be so perfect to be born on that day, you know. I'm just saying. That's you know, true. April 28th, oh. April 28th is one of those days. It should be a national holiday. That's just my opinion. But, you know, oh, it is. It's mine Lord. also. Yeah. I think we're just ballooned ourselves. I think Kishi think of us as just uh, a little self-absorbed there. <laughs> With some candles. You know what? <laughs> well, no, because the funny thing is, and um, the funny thing is, Oscar, that it, it just seems that no matter where I go, that I am surrounded by these little multiple birthday people because Choi's wife and my oldest daughter share the same birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep, she, it's, it's, it's actually her fault because she used to sit next to me in sorority meetings and she, she rubbed my belly and say, oh, you're going to have a girl. 
oh, she's going to be born on my birthday. I said, don't do that to me. And sure enough, I called her at 8.30 in the morning, and I said, happy birthday. You got your present. She just started screaming. She knew exactly wow. what it was. <laughs> wow. Um, so from birthday celebrations, we moved to NFL draft aftermath. Uh, besides aftermath uh, the lower. the perfect term. <laughs> well, it is. It's an aftermath. So um, I can tell you one and two was no surprise given the fact that we talked about it, one and two was going to be right. going the way. But everybody else, uh, I mean, it's been, you know, kind of like where their needs are. And, um, I mean, I didn't agree giving away the farm, but right. it's still to be seen. You know, it's, we'll, we'll see how the Rams turn out in another year from now and a year after that. So we'll see if giving away the farm is, you know, the right. I don't know, Cleveland Brown well, West. Yeah, but don't you all need a quarterback? No, no, the quarterback is not the problem. What I'm saying is I don't agree with the uh, – the coach is not my, uh, to my liking. So right. I don't well, just yes, – I, I don't foresee – <laughs> I mean, you, you have to either make a change at coaching. Depends on how it goes. I don't know if they're right. going to – you know, fold. They haven't decided what they're going to do with folds at this point. Either they're right. keeping them as a backup. Um, Case Keenum, don't know if Goff is going to be – you know, push up front to the front. Uh, a lot of question marks there. And then you obviously have a depleted defensive front that was basically blown up. A lot of issues there. Um, you take Wentz in Philadelphia, you got the, you know, uh, the uh, these uh, Sam Bradford, uh, you know, bitterness out there because you got another quarterback coming in and all that stuff. So um, a lot of teams kind of switched over, but the bottom feeder teams, as I would call them, uh, you know, the lower half of the uh, of the rankings. Some of them did pick up some good draft picks. Um, so I'll give you guys, uh, you know, key points as to where, where you guys are surprises. Besides, let's start with Dallas and Washington since those are our home teams. Uh, any surprises uh, in Kishi on the Dallas side for they took the running back no. that you were talking about last week, right? Well, yeah. So Troy asked me, and you guys asked me, did I want the running back or did I want um, – and I can't think of who it was now um, – one of the he still, he still well I know Zeke is who he took um, from Ohio State but no you, you I was saying I wanted you, the cornerback I wanted the cornerback oh that's right that's right I wanted the cornerback but I'm not going to complain because when we had the dominating run game we were unstoppable when we had Emmett Smith even DeMarco Murray for that one year he flashed extreme greatness we were dominant. So I'm okay with the pick. I'm also very glad that we picked up Dak because um, even though he went in the fourth round, you know, that's still a quality quarterback. And I think that with grooming, you know, in time, he might be a really good, decent backup. What I found interesting was that Jerry Jones was kicking himself for not figuring out how to outmaneuver the Broncos to go up and get the quarterback. Um, his name just went out my went out my head just that fast. But that was what I found the most interesting because Jerry's been screaming, Tony, 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 Tony. Uh, and now he's willing to admit that Tony doesn't have the five years that he's been screaming that he does. So that for me was very telling. Troy? Well, for me, I was um, a little bit shocked at where my team decided to go. 
Uh, our first pick was Josh Doxson. He was, you know, some people's draft boards. He was the number one wide receiver out there. Uh, pretty reliable guy. Runs great routes. Has great hands. He's a big, bigger kid. He's about six two, about two hundred pounds. I didn't think we were going wide receiver with the first pick, but I think that's kind of telling as far as what the Redskins were trying to do. They don't know what they're going to have with Pierre Garcon and um, and uh, Jackson with their when their contracts expire uh, at the end of this year. And then with the second pick, I didn't see them going with uh, Sue Cravens either. He's more of a tweener, which is what I like because he's a guy that can play either safety or linebacker. Kendall Fuller, out of, uh, he was a cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Some people had him rated as a top-rate corner, um, but he dropped down because of injury concerns. I thought they would have taken more defensive linemen because I think the defensive tackle was where they needed to go. Uh, but at the same time, they did pick up some free agent guys and Kendall Reyes. Um, and they're also moving, um, you know, a few guys from uh, linebacker. Uh, and they're moving those guys to defensive line. But I'll tell you what, and I think this is the first year I've ever said this, is the most intriguing picks, besides Sue Cravens and Doxon, of course, the two most intriguing picks for me is the seventh round because I thought Stephen Daniels is the linebacker out of Boston College. I mean, talking about a guy who's a thumper. If you guys watch this kid's highlight tape, all you see is him making plays. He just ran a little bit slower at the combine. He's ran a 4-8. You know, a lot of teams, like, you know, they don't want to deal with a guy who can't run, but Scott McLuhan, the GM for the Redskins, he said he wants football players. If you turn on the tape with this kid, he's a football player. And then you got Keith Marshall, who was their last pick. He's a seventh-round draft pick. Now, he was behind Todd Gurley at Georgia. Uh, but initially, he was in front of Todd Gurley. He was actually higher recruited than Todd Gurley. He was more explosive than Todd Gurley. He's faster than Todd Gurley. And he went down only because of injury concerns. He, you know, tore his knee up a few times. And when he went into the combine, he ran the fastest time at the combine out of any running back, out of any player there. He ran a 4-3-1. Unofficially, it was a 4-2-9. If that kid can actually uh, get rid of the injury concerns, we got an absolute steal in the seventh round. So I'm definitely uh, jacked up as far as watching these teams, watching these players that they drafted, and see how everything unfolds during the season. I cannot wait to see these guys on the field. Yeah, and it's promising in some instances because you're patching up some areas of, of, of the game. And, and at the other side, like you say, you're questioning some other things. But, you know, based on uh, once the roster is uh, TAs and once we get closer to the season, some, some of these things are obviously going to try to make sense as to why they took a certain player in a certain round. Uh, on the one hand, like I said before, the Rams didn't, didn't have much to work with after, you know, they, they basically made the, big, the mega trade to get golf. So, you know, adding, uh, you know, Tyler Hibby and I think it's Cooper, uh, Farrell Cooper, um, you know, there's still several holes, like I said, on our team. So I don't know how they're going to maneuver that. I mean, it's great that you have the, uh, the quarterback, but if you don't have protection and if you're not going to have a pass rush, that's going to be dominant in the West, especially against with the Cardinals and, and the Seahawks uh, could be a horrible <laughs> start in Los Angeles. Yeah, and typically that's what you like. You, you see, you see teams that end up they draft uh, around what their division's doing, and I think I think the Rams kind of went opposite. I think the Rams in the past have tried to build through defense, 
And their defense has always been pretty stout, but I think now what they're doing is they're switching gears and they're turning to a different direction. And I don't know if it's because uh, uh, how prominent Arizona is on offense, so they want to keep up, you know, as far as, like, scoring. And Seattle, you know, they're starting to actually regress a little bit on defense. No, no, they were still solid. I think they were number three defense, but they aren't the defense that they used to be. So I think, I don't know, maybe that's why – you know, the Rams' strategy has changed. But I definitely agree with you. I was surprised that they gave up the farm just to move up to, to, to get golf. Um, I'm I'm not completely sold on the kid. I mean, again, I don't think he's Andrew Luck. I don't think he's Eli Manning. I don't think he's a guy like that. So I was just trying to figure out why they, you know, spent the farm on them when they could have got a guy who was similar to that Paxton Lynch and sitting right at the spot that they were going to draft at anyway. But, you know, that's why, you know, these things play out, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and on the on the Dallas side, uh, they picked up a strong safety in the sixth round, which I think, uh, you know, given all the all the rankings and everything that everybody was talking about, I think they probably stumbled onto somebody that's going to be very, very exciting. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see in the season. But it's a come on, well, Fraser, I think was named. Yeah. I have to tell you in all honesty – I haven't enjoyed the draft as much as I did this year. Now, I know that for a lot of people, semi-anticlimatic, and I, I, I literally mean semi because, you know, we haven't even talked tons yet. But um, what I think I liked about it was that, for the most part, teams made good plays. And I think that, you know, and I, and I sat there and I watched the reviews and – and the rankings and the ratings. And, of course, my uh, Cowboys got an A-. I'm sorry, my Cowboys got a B plus. The Skins got an A-. Um, of course. Oh, but I, even Philly, believe it or not, didn't do bad in the rankings either. Um, I, I really think that the NFC East is going to be the – division to watch again this year and and that that makes me happy and I'll tell you why because for years we've been one of the best for the you know I mean traditionally and I it has hurt my heart to watch us just lounge with these fabulous historic you know teams lounging in mediocrity it's just it's been mind-blowing mind-numbing and painful and I'm really hoping against hope that this division returns back to its glory, that having quality players will help renew the rivalries and, and really and truly just bring us back out of the slump that we've been in. Because you've got the drama in Philly with their um, draft pick, you know, being on Twitter saying years ago that how much he hates the city and the very city he hates is now the city where he's going to have to, you know, eat or starve. <laughs> So it, yeah. it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really interesting. And um, I'm not even going to – I will touch console, but also I'll let you, you know, lead off with whenever you guys are ready to touch that one. But I'm excited for this year's, for this year's upcoming season. I really am, based on this draft. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Bosa, do you think Bosa was worth that pick in, in San Diego, Troy? I mean – you know, they, they've just basically fronted themselves another defensive end. Well, I, I think what happened was 
um, what they wanted to do was they wanted to take some, I think, drafting a left tackle all along was where they wanted to go. They wanted to protect Rivers. But I think as soon as that that um, that clip came out on his Twitter account with him smoking weed in the, in, in, into that gas mask, I think at yeah. that point San Diego had to go back to the board and say who's the best player available right now. And I think they had Joey Bosa as the yeah, top-rated yeah. player. They didn't want to take Ronnie Stanley, who was offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. They didn't feel like he was worthy of the third pick, and I I tend to agree with that. So they ended up right. having to take Bosa as their as their first pick because that's who they rated higher. I don't agree with the pick. I think San Diego needed defensive help, but I think you could have gotten a defensive end further down in the draft, maybe in the second round. I think you could have got a pass rusher. They definitely needed a pass rusher. But I was surprised that he went number three. I actually thought he was going to go number four to the Cowboys or uh, possibly um, uh, number seven or uh, to San Fran or maybe even down to the Titans. Yeah, it's just, you know, they were just – they're looking at – I think some teams were looking at beefing up themselves and other teams are just looking for offensive uh, offensive renewance. So I think that's where most of the – you know, uh, you know, like for example, Los Angeles just gave up the farm to get an offensive strike of some sort, just to keep, like you said, competitive with the West. Which you know, you got Russell Wilson, you got uh, maybe Colin Kaepernick back, or and you got you know Arizona's being obviously always offensively really good. So some, I think some teams, to Kishi's point, is they were just looking at their division and how they can stay competitive within the division first before they you know take a look at the whole picture. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I'll tell you what, the team that I was the most impressed with was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think I've ever said that in my entire life. Uh, but they their draft class was about as impressive as, as I've seen. Uh, number one, they, they got uh, Jalen Ramsey, the corner out of uh, Florida State, who the Cowboys, mm-hmm. in my opinion, should have, would have, should have picked. And then you end up getting Miles Jack, who actually they, – they, they were actually contemplating who they were going to pick between Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack. Uh, so Miles Jack was rated as high as a top five player at that point, and they didn't take him because because of the injury concerns. And I guess most of the other teams did the same thing, so they just didn't select him. And then when the second round came around, they ended up picking him up, similar to what the Cowboys did with Jalen Smith. Uh, Jalen Smith, by the way, for the Cowboys, probably the top-rated player to draft if he didn't get hurt in that bowl game uh, for Notre Dame against Ohio State. So he dropped down the Cowboys in 2017. If this guy fully recovers, you, you probably got the best player in the 2016 draft. But back to the Jaguars, they got Yannick Ngakwu from uh, Maryland. He's a pass rusher. You got Sheldon Day, highly productive kid out of Notre Dame. They really did a good job solidifying that defense up front. And that was where they, where they needed to go because on offense, they were slinging it around last year and they were scoring at will. And defense is where they needed to, to stiffen up that. And I think they did a great job this draft and addressing most of those needs. Yeah, you got Bortles still there, pretty young. He's got a lot of time to grow still. And so, I mean, I, I think they were pretty good moves, like you said. They basically yeah. strategized themselves to where they were gonna where they want to be and kind of reinforced themselves offensively too. So um, yeah, you I got think the that, Allen that makes brothers sense. out there. 
the Allen brothers out there, I mean, it might be time for the Colts to give up the crown sooner or later because that whole division bolstered up. What about what the Titans did? They ended up getting the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, man, they, they got some weapons on that team right there. So I'm, I'm really interested to see on what that AFC uh, South is going to do this year. It's going to be interesting. The one thing that surprised me uh, was Paxton Lynch going to the Broncos, even with all the talk that everybody was saying about maybe Bradford West. But I, I thought, you know, overall the, the 26th pick, I think they made a good move there. They kept they stayed afloat. They didn't pay they didn't overpay for him basically. So they got basically a good bargain player. And so, you know, John Elway at this point, if he pans out, uh, it's it's not going to matter whether Osweiler went to Texas. <laughs> technically, no. so Man, I, we'll see how that plays out. Well, the fact that Jerry Jones was after him speaks volumes, and I think that's interesting because um, Paxton Lynch is not your traditional drop back pocket passer. So I found that even more interesting that that's the kind of player that, um, you know, in terms of a quarterback that Jerry will want leading the offense. But then again, Tony Romo has always been more of a scrambler as well, but he's got, he's one of those few quarterbacks that's diverse, who's diverse enough and has the ability to, to be both a scrambling quarterback and a pocket passer. He just scrambled more than he needed to when he was younger because he didn't have an O-line that could protect him. If Tony Romo in his early days had had the O-line protection, if he had um, not last season, obviously, but the season before, man, can you imagine what a monster the Cowboys would have been? Oh, yeah. I mean, that would have been a lot more um, more versatile in terms of an offense. Well, well, Paxton Lynch, in my opinion, I thought he was the better quarterback out of the crop. Um, I, I'm, I guess I'm in the minority, but I've watched this guy play, and his mechanics were great. Um, if, again, I would have waited if I were the Rams. That's the guy I would have waited for. And I'd have kept the Sure, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm mentioning it, because I thought for yeah. sure giving away the farm like that, uh, some of the scouts, some of the stuff I was reading on um on some of the you know draft previews and stuff like that, they they were touting them pretty highly. And I mean, not that golf is any not great or anything, but uh, it just seemed like everybody had more of an inclination for that. Yeah, I mean, he's six seven, two hundred fifty pounds. I mean, this this guy's a specimen. And just just imagine the coup that that is. And, and if, if Paxton Lynch ends up panning out and the, and the Broncos continue and they win a ways. You might as well go ahead and put John Elway in the Hall of Fame again, and this time right. as a team executive. All the moves he's made since he's got there, man, this guy's been on fire since he's since he's got there in office. He really has. I I have to say he, you know, it's not often that you can watch greatness on the field translate into good business decisions because at the end of the day, this is still as much as we you know have our fanboy fangirl moments. This is still a business, and you have to be able to sit there, look at your personnel, and get the right people to fit in, you know, with your staff, your team, your culture. And you know what? He's still been able to do that, and that speaks volumes about, you know, what he's seeing, you know, as um, a, as a manager and a leader. And that is, man, the Broncos better not let him go because he really and truly is making some good. Yeah, he's he's Mr. Bronco. That guy's not going anywhere. I mean, that's. That's that's his team. I mean, soon, sooner or later, I mean, especially with uh, Pat Boland uh, giving up control of the team, I mean, uh, you, you might end up seeing John Elway actually own that team at some point. 
I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But just the way he's conducting yeah, I mean, himself, he's, he's yeah, been incredible. I, I agree. I agree. I think he has, I mean, what he's done, uh, and that's why I'm saying this is the year uh, he gave away Osweiler, basically. So Peyton Manning's retired, and, and you would think this, is, this would be a rebuilding year for Denver. You know what I mean? It's a total overall in the offense for Denver, but it's not the case. So if, if uh, Paxton pans out for whatever reason, um, then you're looking, like Kichi says, you know, you're looking at another exec, a great executive move that just puts you at, a, you know, at an all factor for you know, his uh, execution and leadership. Absolutely, absolutely. What about uh, all right, guys? Check about. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, no ahead. go ahead. I was going to say go uh, ahead. you I... got to see what the Titans, what the Titans did in their draft. Um, I just I, I liked what they did. Also, they ended up getting an offense of left tackle, uh, protecting uh, Mariota. You got Kevin Dodd. You got two pass rushers and Kevin Dodd and Austin Johnson uh, for the defensive end and defensive tackle positions. They got Derrick Henry. Uh, the big running back out of Alabama won the Heisman Trophy. Again, man, I just I really like what the Titans did because if, if you think about it, last year if you're an average NFL fan, it's not many people you can point to on that team other than Marcus Mariota, who uh, invoked any kind of response to you. I think now what they've done is legitimize that offense immediately um, by protecting them and also giving them a running game. So I can't wait to see what the Titans do this year especially with that uh, bevy of draft picks that they got uh, from you guys, man. Yeah, it's going to be exciting for the lower half teams that were draft. They were drafting, you know, 12, 25 to 30, uh, 32nd. And then they got the, they got their drafts up at the front, you know, they finished last, but they end up getting some, uh, and then now we got to look at salary caps down coming down in the next couple of weeks, how things are going to pan out in terms of key players that are already on the roster that they may make some moves just to supplement some of the new players that are coming in. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how those things unfold in the next two months or three months. Um, I just think right now the transition in the league is really, we're going like Kishi mentioned last week, I think we're going more uh, defensive, you know, cover up more, more, more beef, not so much finesse and uh, speed anymore. I think we're, you know, we, we talked about the running back being a factor last week. And I think that's really where it's at. But now we're looking at, you know, in the in the draft, you had uh, offensive tackles and defensive ends being drafted literally in the first couple rounds. So a lot of the a lot of the teams I think are analyzing their current staff and thinking at some point these guys are not going to be around any much longer than maybe another 24 month period. So it's a matter of grooming them now and getting them into the system. Yeah, I mean, uh, just just I mean that's actually the draft philosophy and the philosophy of. of uh, my favorite GM in our entire world, Scott McLuhan, is he wants to build up front. He wants to build big guys on the offensive line, big guys on the defensive line. He wants to get big, strong guys, big, tough guys, and that's what you want to start your front with. And he wants to have his team impose their will um, right up front on the lines of scrimmage. And I think I, I definitely agree with that. If you watch the teams over the years that he's built, and also teams that have had success in the league, that's including the Cowboys when they had that um, that great season, 12-4, and four, uh, Seattle, uh, San Francisco. All of those teams were really big, strong guys up front, and they would just knock you right off the ball, and they just imposed their will. So by the time the fourth quarter came down, uh, you know, those little guys were, you know, tired of getting pounded on. 
So you start, and plus this was a draft class that was heavy on defensive tackle. I think there were like um, maybe like 25 defensive tackles that were ranked in the top, you know, five rounds. I mean, that's 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 unheard of. I mean, especially within the, the way teams are playing offense, I think you're starting to see um, a lot of versatility amongst the players, players that can play multiple positions. So the more you can do, the more valuable you are to these teams when they're drafting you. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. And I think that that was part of the problem is that, you know, for a while we were just so enamored with Big Ben and his big arm and, you know, Peyton and, well, I, I don't want to throw Eli in the conversation not because Eli hasn't proven himself. You know, the numbers and the stats don't lie in terms of what Eli brings. But in terms of, the numbers, you know, again, you had the Peyton, you had the Tom Brady, everybody just, and, oh, and you can't leave your breeze out of this, you know, part of the conversation. And with fans wanting to see the big numbers, the big scores, you know, it was the reign of starting, you know, with Michael Irvin, it was the reign of the wide receivers, you know, it was all about them and the big play. And in the process, like I said, the running backs got left behind, and then in order to ensure that we had that quarterback, teams were making those investments. In order to invest in the quarterback, you had to protect them with all these crazy rules on defense. And what I love, I think, about the sonic boom is that, you know, Seattle came in and said, we don't care about your rules. We don't care about your team. We're coming to hit you, we're going to hit you, we're going to hit you hard, and we're going to rattle your cage because we know what we're here to do. And when the boom came in, you know, that was it. And I think that other teams are now taking their lead and their cue from Seattle with that defense and also with the versatility. I mean, the Cowboys going up and getting another basketball player at tight end, um, you know, the guy hadn't played – a, a down in football since what his senior year of high school and to then turn around and get drafted. Now I'm not going to lie. If I spent all four years playing football and I didn't even get drafted, I'd be pretty upset about that, that this guy hadn't played a down and he comes in and gets drafted. But I, I think Troy's right. Again, it speaks to the need and the diverse and the versatility of the team to diversify their offensive strategies. Yeah, those are key things that uh, that I think the scouts analyze and that we as regular fans don't really look at. I think the, uh, you know, Troy's done it before where you have to physically analyze a player. And even though some people, you know, some people go on, okay, he's got to have a big arm. He's got to have a certain amount of, uh, you know, uh, fast time or, you know, and all that stuff. You, you get to that stage where you can overkill that and you really miss mm-hmm. out on more of the, uh, what the player can bring. You know, and we it's been proven, right? The later round players yeah. in history, you know, the Jerry Rice's, the Joe Montana's, it's been proven that first rounders, in first rounders, the, the percentage of them being successful in the league in the long term longevity is very bad in terms of a percent. It's always down to the, you know, fifth and sixth and seventh round that you see and you find those jewels. The, the players that obviously uh, want to make a name for themselves and they, because they weren't drafted initially at the, at the beginning, you get to see them try harder. So I, I, oh, I really and, think, you know, history yeah. speaks volumes in terms of, you know, what, what happened to uh, Ryan Leaf 
you know, what happened to all these other first-round players that everybody took, and and here they are. You know, they're not even mentioned in history at this point, or even relevant. Right. So it's, I it, actually you know, heard that Jamarcus Russell said he'd be willing to come and play for free just to just to play a couple downs to redeem him. Of course he will. I would do if I was paying, getting paid about five hundred thousand dollars just to be on a taxi squad. I'd be right there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's um, speaking of these first round picks, which you see. Uh, but especially for this is the year where the 2013 picks um, can get their options picked up. And all the players that did not get their options picked up, uh, Luke Jokel, he's the number two pick um, for the Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars. Deion Jordan of the Miami Dolphins. I mean, listen, this guy, might not, he might not even ever play again due to drug use and, and things like that. Barkevious Mingo for the Cleveland Browns. He picked number six. Nothing have to, you know, they're not going to take up their fifth-year option. Jonathan Cooper, he was traded from the Cardinals to the Patriots. The Patriots traded for him, and then they're declining the option on him. Uh, D. Milner um, for the Jets, number nine pick. Uh, the number ten pick, uh, Chance Warmack, they declined their uh, option. These are all top ten picks of that year. And out of, out of all of them, you would say, I'm giving a, a head count here, six of them out of the top ten are not going to be back with that team because the team is just saying they're not good enough to stick around. So, man, this process, even though these guys are first-round picks, that doesn't mean they're going to stick. These later rounds, man, are where you really can earn your money as a GM and really solidify your team because it's not necessarily about stars. It's about guys who contribute and guys who actually want to play instead of um, when guys that just want to get paid and sit and look prettier in their nice little uniforms and not put it in work. Well, well you, have the, Johnny Mon- you, you have the Johnny Manziel syndrome though. with too much money too fast, too. So that's a big well, factor. It is, but here's another thing, and, let's, and, and I'm curious about this because I was listening the other day. Um, the point was made that Ohio State had 12 players, which was a first time, go in the first round a school to have 12 players go in the first round, yet the question was, with that quality and talent, why were they not able to make it back to the championship? And I'm thinking, you know, what Troy was saying about the later round guys, maybe one of the reasons why some of these later round guys are able to be more successful coming into the NFL maybe not their first year, but by their second and third year, you turn around and you think, my God, look at this diamond in the rough, this little gold nugget I found. But you think about it, guys who were in the later round didn't get the exposure, they didn't get the playing time, and their bodies aren't as beat up as the players who go in the first round because, you know, they were used like workhorses in college. So I'm, you guys are, you know, former football players. What are your thoughts on that theory? No, I agree. I think it, I, I, that's what I'm saying. There's a benefit in the later rounds because you have uh, a, a player that obviously is more hungry to do the right thing, and you got starstruck uh, fame in the first or second rounds where, uh, like to a point uh, that Troy just made, you know, hi- history has proven that some of these players are not going to be long-lasting for you. So you, you, you have to analyze that initially. But, you know, Johnny Manziel is just probably an exception to the rule, but Johnny Manziel is an extreme exception to the point where somebody spent so much money to get the kid thinking he's got all this potential and didn't really analyze the fact that the college 
uh, scheme and the coaching scheme in college benefited him more than anything else. And when he got to the pros where he has to stand on his own two feet, it just becomes a situation where that player no longer is productive or no longer even valuable in, in, in pro football. And whether he's a football player or not, it doesn't matter. It's like going back to college. It's like you leaving college, the NFL is a total different monster in terms of, in terms of uh, learning. It's like going, going back to another four years of college, but in a, at a different level. Well, when it comes to the draft, okay, um, the draft is, is seventh rounds. And you can go to all the way into the seventh round, and the player getting picked was probably an all-conference performer in his, in his conference. Um, you know, there are over 116, 130 Division One programs, and there are 243 players that get drafted. So everyone that gets drafted was probably an all-conference performer at, at the most points. So if you're thinking about it, if you're a six-round draft pick and you drop down in the draft for whatever reason, and you watch the guy that's on, you know, that gets picked in the first round. He gets to go up there and hold his jersey. He gets to hug the commissioner. He gets the big contract. People are already trying to sign him the shoe deals and things like that. This guy's sitting pretty. But that guy that's in the sixth round, he's sitting there watching that. And he's saying, listen, man, I beat this guy. I destroyed this guy. Like, I really just – I threw him all around the field. I, I, I turned him and spun him like a top the entire game. And you're watching that. And so now you get drafted, and you're like, man, listen, okay, I'm just, I just signed a deal for, you know, 375000 for the next three years. I'm really not going to be getting paid a whole lot. This guy was just given $7 million. Who's going to be the hungrier dog? And the most instances is yeah. that younger guy that's going to be the hungry dog. Now, if he gets a chance to play, and that's the other caveat, because from a team standpoint, who are you going to invest your time in more? Is the person that you that you paid more for? That's your investment. That's the term investment. So you're going to try to make this guy happen. So now as a six-round pick, you have to fight your way in. So now you got even more incentive to try to make that, to, to try to push that initiative. So I think that's a lot of times why we see these first-round picks fail because they're no longer hungry. They've been given everything now. I mean, they've earned it up to that point. I'm not taking anything away from them. But they, you know, once you get to a point, some of these guys just sit back and be like, hey, man, I'm good. I got this big house. I get to go home. I'm not going to listen to all that, you know, I'm not doing my job. I think I'm doing fine. But that six-round pick, he wants to get that big contract. So I think that's why you see a difference in the hunger levels of these late-round draft picks. No, I agree. I think that's why I'm saying it's like, you know, Jerry Rice didn't come in the first and second rounds. You know, the, the, some of the elite players that are Hall of Famers never even made it in the first and second round. So the history shows that none of these people are in the first and second round. So, um, so let's go into the huddle. We have, uh, at this point, we're going to have to bring in everybody in the huddle. So um, let's go into the huddle and let's talk to the talented players of the Chicago Force, which is going to be Zoe Barnett and Tracy Day. And then right after this, we will get with Holly Custis and talk WFA Seattle Logistics. So, Holly, if you're on, um, we'll get you on in a couple of minutes here. Uh, otherwise, uh, we're going to talk to Zoe and Tracy. Uh, Zoe and Tracy of the Chicago Force now, uh, also from uh, Gold Coast Stingrays. So, Zoe and Tracy, are you guys on? Hi, how are you? Hi, guys. 
Hey guys, how you guys doing? Really good, thank you. Good. Awesome. So Zoe and um, Tracy, you're on with uh, Oscar Lopez, myself, and and Kishi Free and Troy Wilson, and kind of excited to have you in America. And when the news was announced, uh, everybody was kind of blown away. Not that uh, you're the first Aussies to come abroad, but uh, we know we had uh, Mrs. Rogers, Ainsley Rogers, here before that. So how is Chicago treating you so far? Yeah, it's been great. Um, I mean, we touched down and went to training the next day, which was a bit of a challenge with the 18 hours of flights to get here. But um, the team's been absolutely amazing and welcomed us with open arms, which is really cool. Now, you guys are playing for the force. You guys are familiar with Coach Konecki, obviously from the, uh, the Outback camp. Uh, what can you tell us about the uh, the team and when you guys first training practice and you know getting going um, and any, you know for for the first week when you guys arrived? Yeah, um, so obviously, yeah, we knew Coach um, Coach K beforehand, which was um, really good. Um, going into training was oh, for me was crazy. I mean, um, especially the cold air. I mean, it was completely different to everything, like, we've trained, like, having training in Gold Coast, like, where it's nice and hot all the time, and then going into training where it's seven degrees, and we're training for at least three hours um, at night was pretty full on, but it was really good. I mean, it's such a good experience for both of us, so, like, we're loving every moment of it. It's definitely a huge difference for us, um, uh, not only from a skill level, just from the girls and, and obviously the coaches who, who have lived and breathed it pretty much their whole lives. But, um, you, you know, just the tempo itself as well from training, from the minute you get there, it's go time and it's it's constantly, constantly working and learning. And then, um, you know, having to, having, like Zoe said, to deal with the cold air and, and the rain and the sleet and stuff was a bit of a challenge. But um, I feel like we, I feel like we did a good job yeah. and, and they were happy to have us there. Awesome. So this weekend, girls, um, big rivalry, sort of like Logan City versus, uh, you know, the Stingrays. It's a big rivalry in, yeah. the, in the WFA, and I'm pretty sure they've told you about the history behind it. Um, you know, Chicago has yeah, pretty definitely. much had the upper hand versus D.C. for a long time. Uh, and then, obviously, mm-hmm. the force this year, before you guys arrived, uh, they've been assaulting everybody up to this point. And uh, so for the <laughs> – for the duel of the season, this is a marquee game in terms of the league status. And for fans, this is basically a tier one, a tier one matchup, basically top, top matchup. So uh, how did you guys get the news that this is big this coming weekend? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we did some research before we came over around, you know, the league and, and who some of the top competitors were. And of course knew about the results last year for, for the force and, and their game against the Divas. So for us, I mean, it's been about how we can contribute to the team, you know, executing well and, and playing really hard and, and um, you know, good football. And, and for us, it's been just about sort of absorbing the plan of attack when it comes to the coaches and, and the players that have experienced this kind of game before. So I think coming into it, we, we're kind of just going to put everything in the past and just approach this game as if we would any other game which is you know a step to the championship and and hope that we play good hard aggressive fast football and and you know do our job all right what do you guys think of rachel gore 
uh, your, your quarterback. Um, you got pretty good quarterbacks in Queensland as well. So what was your impression of Mrs. Gore? Yeah, she's great. Um, best quarterback, I think. Well, yeah, so, so far with me um, being running back, I've having, like, being with her, she's been really good. She's really calm, which is really good. Um, and she's, she's got lots of knowledge, which is, which is also good to have and so much to learn from, which is uh, the plus. Yeah, she's, I'm, I'm playing defense at the moment, and I can tell you that um, going against her even in our scrimmages, you know, she's an, she's an amazing athlete, and, and her athletic ability, and then top that with her actual mental, you know, capacity for the game is, is second to none. And, you know, whilst we do have, you know, good quarterbacks in Australia, this is just a, a whole other level, and we're, we're blessed to play with her, and I think that any other team should be, should be pretty fearful of what she can do yeah, on the field. Yeah, definitely. Now, offensively, when you guys got there, did you guys get to watch a game before that, before this game that you guys started, or was it something that you guys <laughs> no. just watched film? Um, yeah, we watched film, I guess, just on our own, um, like Tracy said, doing our own research and discussing on um, what we are dealing with uh, or what we are going with. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of got thrown in the deep end which is good though um don't regret anything of going straight into a game or straight into a training which was really good for us um but yeah no we didn't get to watch any any of the live games or any live um training sessions so just all research on our own I think having um coach K out for the Australian uh selection it meant we were a little bit familiar already with his offense so um you know we could kind of mesh in or blend into that as you know, as smoothly as, as we as we could, really. Hi, ladies. This Troy, is Nikishi. I wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to jump in real quick because Oscar's been asking some really great questions. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to get some information from you in terms of how different is the American game versus the Australian game? And I'm asking because, of course, I'm new still to ladies football this I'm actually going on my second year with the uh with the show so I've learned a lot and I had to learn really fast as well <laughs> but I also know that you know systematically there are differences even like for example how we play soccer here in America versus <laughs> European football versus Australian football versus how they play it in Africa I mean there's you know the international game is always a little bit different so you mentioned the weather the temperature all of those um, external factors is the American game faster slower is it harder um, in terms of the ground and pound and the hitting or is it more finesse and foundation in terms of what you guys play in Australia? Sorry, it's a multi-layered yeah. question, but it, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I'm happy to sort of field that one. I guess, um, you know, for us in Australia, we it's it's so new. It's, it's in its infancy. So we've been playing five years now, and the game's changed so much in five years. So, you know, that first game was seven aside on a full field, and, and obviously, as you can appreciate, that's a pretty different game to 11-man football. And and it's slowly progressing through to nine men and hopefully in preparation for World Cup we'll move to 11 men next year, which will be good. Um, so, I mean, for us in general coming over, there's more people on the field, which is always a little bit more hectic. But um, I think that from a player perspective, you know, these, these women are collegiate athletes and sometimes they're multi, multi-sport athletes. So their physical ability, I think 
you know, we, we have some standout plays in Australia and Zoe's one of them definitely, but, um, you know, they, they've just been around football so much longer. So their yeah. form tackling is on point. They read the ball really quickly. They understand different offences and how to read that and different defences. And the, the aggression level is just so much higher because they understand that it's, you know, essentially a professional sport. So in Australia, we're yet to sort of get to that stage. And, and, and that's obviously the plan for us is to come home and, you know, really share with the girls not only what we've learned over here, but bring home that intensity and that tempo and that aggression and, and try and lift everyone else up to, to that same level. Awesome. Now, I have another question I want to ask really quickly, Troy. Um, so my background is public relations and, you know, marketing. And one of the things that I have always discussed in Oscar and I talk about it ad nauseum and at length is the fact that, you know, despite the high quality of the product on the field is the struggle to get, what we say, butts in the seat, you know, and, and to get the recognition and the awareness. But what are you all doing differently in Australia? Because, you know, and I said this to Oscar when I first came on, I said it really seems like you all have done something different where you've been able to get your local communities and cities and and, um, sports, um, oh, gosh, uh, you know, your sports commissions behind Uh you and supporting you in terms of the legitimacy of what you all are doing as athletes and as professionals. So can you speak a little bit about some of those differences that you see and maybe some suggestions for what we here in America could do to increase the support that you all have been able to receive? Thanks. Yeah, um, it's a tough one because, you know, you're up against other leagues in the States that, you know, like the LFL and, and things that from a marketing perspective, um, you know, their marketing's on point, whether or not you agree with it or not, it's on point and, and it sells tickets and it's entertainment. So I think it's really hard to get people or fans that have gone from that kind of sport who see that as a legitimate game to come across to a full kick game. So for us, we didn't have that. So we, we really made sure that we meshed with all of our local clubs, whether it be men's gridiron or, or other sort of forms of football and just make sure we get them to rally behind us and, 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 you know, support us as not only individuals but as clubs and teams. So it's still definitely a struggle. I mean, you know, we have, we have to pay our own way to get to World Cup. So yeah. and here. And, and here, you know. So for us, it's, it's yeah, it's still definitely a struggle over there. I think it's, um, it's going to be probably maybe five or ten years before we can see, you know, major sponsors come on board for those sort of club-level games. But... At the same time, I think as well, like it, it, it's really based on the level of play. And when you come here to Chicago and you see, you know, the game that's going to happen on Saturday will be what I feel is probably the highest level of football outside of the World Cup that Zoe and I will ever play. So, you know, as, as those games get exposure and you can live stream them or you can get some coverage through Facebook or whatever it might be, then it's up to the girls to really get behind it and get people down to, to see it. And then they'll fall in love with it and, and jump on board. But it's, you know, it's still definitely a hard slog for us at home. Hey, Zoe and Tracy, this is Troy. Hi, Troy. Hey, I wanted to find out um, what got you guys interested in playing the game of football? So at what point did you say to yourself, you know what, this is something that I want to do. I, I really want to try this out. Um, To me, um, playing running back, it was just I um, – I guess I played other sports in Australia, like played 
most sports and I thought why not give football football a go um being able to smash people I guess <laughs> run through people um I, I turned out to be pretty good um at the local local comp so I was like why not why not keep going um yeah I just I fell in love with it you know it's it, it's really different um with rugby league like I've played rugby league um throughout school and um, out of school so and touch you know it's completely different to any of that kind of game so and it's good that everyone has their own job that's what I loved about it everyone's got their own job everyone's got a duty um, to do which was good that that really really took it out for me Um, and just being able to score touchdowns for me was was pretty pretty good. I think for me it was a little bit different I kind of started watching NFL and you know college ball and stuff and just wondered um you know like at first I didn't really understand the game it's not something we've ever seen in Australia even though it's been there for 20 years but um you know just watching NFL and then learning through college and then I just reached out I I saw on Facebook through you know mutual friends that people played it on the Gold Coast and next minute I went down to a training and five years later I I'm addicted (laughs) I'm on the other side of the world playing it awesome awesome so what sports did you guys play besides football? You guys were you guys are athletes in other sports, is that correct? Yeah, um I have a um so track and field background, so the hundred meter sprint, uh long jump and two hundred meter sprint. Also have um touch football, so which is just rugby league but touch and then rugby league, I played that in school. Um and I think that's about it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> And for me, I just, um, I've done a lot of things, but softball's probably been the most competitive for me at home. And um, and then now yeah. uh, American football. I didn't play any football except for sort of social yeah. stuff. And I guess I think we both just fall in love with the gym as well. Yeah. Being being strong being strong is probably the main main part of football. So I guess the gym comes in with a lot of, a lot of that as well. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, getting in that gym and then watching yourself start to transform into a totally different person, it starts to get addictive after a while. I'm all (laughs) for that, all for that. I wanted to ask you guys another question. Um, So your your time here in Chicago, tell me some of the – what are the places that that you guys gone to to go see? I'm pretty sure you guys kind of went around the town a little bit. So tell me a little bit about your experience and taking yeah. to Chicago. Have you guys got the chance to do that yet? Um, so far we've kind of done a we've done a lot. Like I've had my first Walmart experience. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Never been to a Walmart before. Um, it has everything. I was so amazed. Um, wow. <laughs> that was good. Um. We it was good. Navy Pier. <laughs> yeah, I went down to Navy Pier, which was pretty cool, and saw some of the city yesterday. And we're really fortunate that we get to check out a, a White Sox and a Red Sox yeah, game tomorrow, tomorrow, so that'll be exciting. Uh, and um, some of our team members have organised to take us on a boat at night around the river, which we're really looking forward to. Yeah, so we're kind of living the dream, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's 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 a great thing. Yeah, you guys enjoy that Red Sox White Sox game. I'm a, I'm yeah, a big Red Sox. I'm a big Red Sox fan, but Try you know what? I'll go ahead and cheer. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you got anything else, Troy? No, I think I exhausted all my questions. These guys are awesome, man. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> want to watch this game too. Thanks, Troy. Thank you. Now, uh, 
you guys, uh, and Kishi and, and uh, Troy, uh, Zoe is sort of the uh, Adrian Peterson style of running, very, very finesse, but also very uh, stern. And so we're going to get to see that in a Chicago force, which is kind of like a good fitting uh, name for you, Chicago force running back uh, to pound <laughs> out some, some players. So um, you guys are going to get to see uh, Zoe and Tracy this weekend what we consider probably are one of the top three quarterbacks in the, uh, in the whole nation, yeah, Allie Hamlin. And so it's kind of Peyton Manning live on, in the female sense. She's very meticulous. She does a really good job. She's, uh, you know, she's a pioneer in this league. And uh, you're going to get to see her first. Well, Tracy will get to see her more, more so than uh, Zoe <laughs> will live. Yeah. And so it's going to be kind of an honor to get a – it'll be an honor to get a sack. That's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get a sack, that would be an awesome honor. Uh, make sure somebody captures that because that'll be historic <laughs> to try to get a sack on Allie Hamlin, which is, no, doesn't happen often. And then you get to see um, you know, uh, Miss Grisby, which is basically the equivalent of Zoe there, very uh, elusive. So uh, uh, mm. the Divas bring a lot in terms of quality players with a lot of, uh, um, you know, skill sets. Um, you got wide receivers. It's going to be a real test, a, a real, a real effort on both sides. So the fanfare in Chicago at this point is it, is it something that you guys are everybody's diving in right now because it's getting closer within the next couple of days. This is like basically a huge rivalry. Yeah, I know we're going to have heaps of support there on Saturday night at 5 p.m. So I know that um, you know we've got alumni and and friends and family and just you know we've actually met strangers and random yeah. people that have helped us in different retail shops and things that are coming along. So, um, yeah, this is definitely the game that you, you don't want to miss. Now, Zoe, you're playing alongside uh, some, uh, some talented players as well on offense. You got Jeanette Gray, I believe yep. still there and you got some quality wide receivers. So the balance attack of coach Konecki is usually has a very good balance attack. So it's not all throws unless obviously the defense affords you that play. Uh, you know, on, on an audible or something, but mo- for the most part, uh, since you got here, uh, they've been, they've been like uh, missile fires. I mean, they've just been blowing everybody out, uh, you know, shutouts, close to shutouts, but they've been scoring almost over 50 points a game. So is that exciting for you as a running back? I mean, the, the opportunity that field position is usually very red zone like where you can actually get in uh, a lot more often. Yeah, definitely, of course. I mean, like I said before to um, Troy, I guess scoring touchdowns is is the best part. So, of course, it's always good. But, um, yeah, I guess whatever it takes to win the game. Now, uh, Zoe, are you being used on certain downs or are you working with – are you guys using a two-dual set, two-running back set at this point? Uh, You'll see. Coach Jay's got a plan. (laughs) Oh, you're not giving anything away. Awesome. That's great. We're, we're it's not, not like the Divas are listening or anything. No, no secrets <laughs> given away. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> you guys will have to, you'll have to watch. <laughs> Sorry, you're now, pleading the fifth I'm, on a football sense. Awesome. Well, now, I, ladies, I have a quick question for you. Um, since you guys are there in Chicago, um, were you all able to witness, participate, or be involved in any of the draft activities? I mean, how amazing was that? 
Yeah, we <laughs> we unfortunately missed out, but we had girls like Ainsley went along and, and Mariola, who's over here from the Czech Republic. So um, they had a chance to go down and work draft day, but uh, we'd only just arrived and, and um, we had training <laughs> and jet lag was a little bit too much, but um, oh, it would have been amazing. We've, we've seen video and, and you know, um, and seen lots of Facebook and social media posts about it. And we actually had one of our top Australian players go in the draft, which is really, really exciting for us. So, yeah, it would have been great to be there when that happened. Oh, no, wait a minute. You guys weren't able to score tickets? What? No, that's awful. I know. <laughs> I know. That's what you have we to probably... say. Uh, yeah, countrymen, you know, we're here. We're supporting you. <laughs> We'd like to support you down on the first row. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, hopefully. <laughs> hey, Zoe, oh, and um, go ahead. Oh, go I'm ahead. sorry. I had one last question, which actually reminded me. So I know that rugby is really popular. Yeah. There's been a lot of conversation about the safety aspects of the game and how we have more padding and protection with American football than there is with rugby. But and correct me if I'm wrong, rugby doesn't seem to have the type of concussions and can, and, and long-term um, damages to the physical, you know, body, the physical damages. Can you guys speak to that? You know, and, and what is it that rugby is doing that it seems to be, for lack of a better term, a safer sport? Or is it a safer sport? And it's just our perception. Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's a, a perception thing in the sense that, um, you know, th they have similar concussion issues and we have two forms of rugby. So we have rugby league and rugby union and, and rugby union is, um, you know, quite an international sport and, and they tend to wear a lot of headgear that kind of looks like wrestling headgear or, you know, American football headgear in the 1960s. <laughs> so um, that probably does a little bit of um, help in terms of protecting. But I think the fact that the game is run in a straight line, so... You, you don't have someone coming to crack block you from a corner when your head faced the other way. So I think it's different in that aspect. You're not you're not going up to take a catch, you know, you know, feet off the air, off the ground and, and getting sort of taken out by two or three people at a time. So although it's quite physical, it's physical in the sense that it's in the trenches. So you're sort of one-on-one -on -one with someone heads up. So um, there's a lot of strict rules around where you have to place your head and, and where you can tackle on the body. So... In NFL, I feel it's kind of like anything goes, in a sense, if that makes sense. Oh, that does make a lot of sense. Do you think that maybe some of those um, formations or, I guess, you know, how, like you were saying, it goes in a straight line and, you know, in terms of how the game is played, in terms of the direction, do you think some of that could even find its way to American football in terms of how we create plays? Um, I think we. I think you would lose a lot of the. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it'd be as enjoyable to play if you were just sort of running that same sort of you know stop runs or or sweep plays from side to side. I mean, from a player perspective and a and a, a fan's perspective, you, you go to the football because you want to see big hits. You want to see someone sack a quarterback. You want to see someone take an Odell Beckham Jr. You know catch in the end of the end zone. That's what you want. And I think if you change that. It just becomes it just becomes a little bit more it becomes boring and that's that's my opinion. So rugby has so many amazing things and and um, you know entertainment values in the fact that it's really brutal and it's and it's um, you know 
one-on-one kind of thing and and it's quite it's quite technical in 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 its own sense but yeah I think I think we should leave NFL the way it is that's my I don't know what no do I agree plus you got to risk it to get the biscuit <laughs> there you go <laughs> there you go that is my that is my yeah. new saying I am so borrowing <laughs> that that's right you oh. got to risk it to get the biscuit right yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> okay, well, but see, I, I, didn't, well, I didn't say it as cool as you guys did. That's all. I'm going to have to well, practice my accent. Well, I think one of the, one of the also, uh, one of the factors when the, the differences between the NFL and rugby is that, you know, with rugby, you do still have those big hits. I mean, I watch rugby. I, I, yeah. listen, these guys are hitting out there. I mean, that that's some serious hitting going on. But you do have players who are less likely to hit, and it's because they don't have the padding. So in the NFL and when you're a uniform football, you have that helmet to protect. You have shoulder pads. There's not anyone on that field that does not want to hit. So everybody's trying to hit when you have to pass. And it's similar to what you will find will be the difference between bare-knuckle boxing as opposed to Mm -hmm. boxing with gloves on. They put gloves on so the fighters can fight longer. It's not to protect the Mm -hmm. hands. It's to protect the head. You want to see more punches. If they were yeah. barehanded boxing, it'd be less punches. So I mean, that's, that's the difference. Tough. Yep. Good analogy. Good analogy. Uh, Zoe and Tracy, I hope you guys have a great weekend uh, with the win. So um, not that we don't, you know, wish a win or anything, but uh, DC is going to be very tough. Uh, you guys have yeah. a, an exceptional offensive assault. Uh, Coach Konecki is very lethal. <laughs> And he's proven it. Uh, I think the franchise this week was, it was noted this week, the Chicago Force has scored the most points in the history of women's gridiron in the U.S. Um, So technically uh, that alone is a statement that says you guys don't come just to play. You guys come to win. That's just big time right there, points-wise. So I really appreciate you guys making the time. I know it was back and forth and taking away from training camp and all that. And uh, okay. we look forward to maybe chatting in another, maybe another couple weeks here before the playoffs. Um, based yeah. on your record, it looks like you might be in the playoffs no matter what. Um, so it's it's a good sign for you guys to experience even a playoff game. It's one thing to come yeah. over to the states, and then it's another thing to say I'm on a on a, I'm on a playoff run. You know, so that's yeah. just going to be amazing. Yeah. And look, we we really appreciate your support. You've been yeah, you've been behind, you know, not only us and our journey here to Chicago, but you followed the Stingrays, and and I know you support a number of our women and teams down there. So we really do appreciate not only the the kind words and the posts and stuff, but you know, just getting the exposure out there for us as players and also our team. So thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. You are very welcome. And uh, we got more work to do, as I tell Lauren and and Christy. And everybody else that's on board with us, we got a lot more work to do, but we'll get there because hard work is never end. So, so Zoe, I wish you well this weekend. More touchdowns for you. And uh, Tracy, as I said, uh, there's only one goal, and her name is Al- Allison Hamlin, and that would be a sack. So if you can get that, God help you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> She's got a very good line as well. So if you can get by, by that wall to get a hold of her, that would be uh, just a bonus. So I, I, I hope that uh, it works out for you guys. Chicago and D.C., what a matchup. So um, it's just the elite of the elite, and uh, adding you guys onto the roster is just more power. So congratulations for being part of the force, and then we'll look forward to the weekend result this weekend, uh, D.C. versus Chicago. Thank you for chiming in. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
thanks, ladies, thanks, for guys. coming on board. And now I definitely have a even more of an excuse to get my little happy tail down under because that is definitely getting to Sydney, especially the Opera House. I know it's a tourist trap, but it's the Opera House. So <laughs> uh, I definitely now have even more of an incentive to make sure that I get down under so that I have the opportunity to hang out with you and your your amazing folks and maybe even some of your teammates. Sounds great. We'd love to have you. Thanks, ladies. Awesome. Good luck. Awesome, guys. I appreciate you, you guys coming on. You guys are awesome. Thanks, Joy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So from that segue, we go into the Northwest, and Captain Crutches shows up for us, uh, Holly Custis. So, Holly, how's it going today? It's going good. How are you? Doing great. Hey, you You're doing great, too. Hey, Holly. How are you? I am good. How's the family? The family is doing well. Uh, the little people, uh, my oldest just turned 13 two weeks ago, so I'm still trying to adjust to that. But, um, you know, everything is going really well. Well, that's that's great. Um, I, I'm the oldest of six kids, so I know what happens when they turn 13. You'll be okay, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a little gray hair, but you'll be okay. No, no, I will not be. I officially have a teenager. Um, yeah, I'm not teenager. ready for this. I am not ready for this. Your mother you wasn't ready for this either, as my mother would say. Exactly. <laughs> oh no, no. Look, and 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 neither is my wallet. That's why I am doing this show oh, with Oscar. Wow. There's <laughs> the truth. There's the truth of it all. It's, they're cutting into, they're gonna cut into your entertainment and your buying power. That's not good. No, not <laughs> absolutely. So I have to start investing in Oscar so that Troy and Oscar and I will blow this up with your support and the fabulous ladies who just left the show so we can, you know, put our stamp on the sports industry. <laughs> and this little girl could yeah. not put a stamp on my wallet. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the moment I can pay you, it will be the biggest moment for you because that's going to be a bonus paycheck. <laughs> All right, so Holly, um, and Kishi, are you sticking around or are you bailing on us? Okay, bailing is such an ugly term. Thank you very well, okay. much. Are you leaving? Is that a better term? Are you leaving? <laughs> I I am I am here. I am here until a hard. Um, I'm here until a hard to uh, ten thirty. All right, no problem. Um, so Holly, uh, Majestics somehow woke up on your speech or something, and I saw your blog. So you posted some stuff on your blog. So I'm I'm assuming uh, you didn't use your crutches to hit everybody over the head to say, hey, we got to wake up here and we have a season to play. So tell us a little bit about the last two weeks from the from the loss that was apparently, you know, your doom season to a rebound that seems to be, you know, the message got through, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, at the end of the the game against Portland, uh, you know, we kind of we kind of got drugged and taken to the woodshed a little bit. But at the same time, you know, like I, I stated before and in my blogs, um, it, it's kind of a uh, cool thing to watch because our team is growing before my eyes, and we had a decision, you know, that we had to make of do we just kind of roll over or how do we respond to this? Do we we come back and and fix these issues and come back stronger? 
And I, I totally had all the faith in the world that we could do it, but it was just another thing of seeing it happen. And when we went into the game against Tacoma the following week, uh, you know, everybody was focused. You know, we were determined to get back on track. And, of course, when we went to the field, it was pouring down rain the whole entire day because that's what it does here. And so in the first couple series, uh, we traded fumbles with Tacoma because the ball was really wet. So it took a minute to have everybody adjust to the weather. And and I believe Tacoma had a uh, fairly big run. It took them down to about the four or five-yard line, uh, so close to the gar- close to the goal line. And our defense – had the series that I think turned our season around. They held him out four straight plays. They absolutely got nothing. And that energy that the defense created by getting that stop was the energy that we kind of had lacked earlier in the season. Um, And it just was electric. And it, it lit up the whole sideline. Everybody was excited. It was that rallying point that we were looking for. Because uh, it's one thing to want to like make changes and and want to get back on track, but you usually find in football that momentum really helps. But to create momentum, and there has to be that spark, that play. Somebody has to go out and make a play to make it start, and that was it. Our offense all of a sudden felt more comfortable. Uh, we have Vanessa Kasky who's come at, at quarterback now, and and she's done a great job. Uh, of leading the offense. We have people making plays all over the place. Um, our running backs are, are, you know, running very hard. And we came out of that game. It wasn't perfect, but we were definitely back on the right track. And so we were feeling pretty good of like, okay, you know what? We're going to be okay. And then uh, this last weekend we, we came uh, back home to face uh, Southern Oregon. And, and it really – solidify the fact that we've kind of refound our identity, I think. Um, I mean, we have people making plays all over the place. I mean, Caskey threw this, I'm not sure how long it was. It had to be like 60, maybe a 60-yard touchdown. But she hit uh, Mackenzie Tolliver uh, on the sideline with one of the prettiest passes I've ever seen. She caught the ball. She didn't even have to break stride. It was right in stride, right uh, it was a go route right on right by the sideline. Didn't break stride. Pulled away from the defender. Uh, it was just it was a gorgeous throw. And then we had and then she had uh, McKenzie also had a punt return for a touchdown. We had people making plays all over the place. Kiki Williams I think had close to 150 yards on the ground. Our defense was making plays. Uh, it was it was one of those games that were like okay you know what we might be able to still make a run at this thing. And I think we got our confidence back. And so we go into Everett uh, this coming weekend uh, with still a lot to prove, and I look forward to seeing my team grow up. And and it's kind of what's happening. I'm seeing players that were second-year players kind of turn the corner a bit, and it's kind of exciting to watch. Now, Everett's coming off a spanking of a 47-0. you know that they're obviously going to play you tough. They play you tough every every game so far. So yes. that's going to be a great matchup. Do you equate this 57-7 to 7 win more of a tier difference in play? Can you say that? Um, I mean, yes and no. Because the thing about Southern Oregon is that, yes, they are a brand-new team, 
but for being a brand new team, they've been actually fairly competitive in our division. Um, they have some talent. Um, and you get that talent to more experience, and they're going to be a fairly competitive team. Um, I do believe, you know, if they're in that tier three playoff uh, bracket, that they're going to surprise some people because they do have some talent. And so, yes, there, there's a gap in experience, uh, but at the same time, experience does not equal you know, execution. You you can be the most experienced team in the world, but if you're not executing, it doesn't really matter. So this was a, a game that we actually executed fairly well. And, and for that, um, yes, there's a gap in experience, but we also were playing better too. Troy, you got anything for uh, Holly here? Yeah, I mean, I, we, you know, we discussed last week as far as, you know, maybe like a loss – Maybe a you know awaken a sleeping giant, and I think, and you'll probably well. I want to get your take on it. Do you feel the same way um, that I'm feeling about that? Because I mean, I felt like when we were on a roll and we had a team that was used to winning, and then you end up getting tripped up the way you know uh, you guys were tripped up, and all of a sudden now it awakened things. It it it, it made you refocus a little bit. Do you think that that was actually the case um, this week? Uh, yes. I'm, I, I mean, in a general sense, yes. Um, again, you know, we've had – Yeah, if you think about it logically, we, we lost a lot of people in the span of about a week and a half, maybe about two to three weeks before the start of the season. So you're going into the season thinking that your your identity is A, and all of a sudden you don't have that identity anymore because – a lot of those people are gone. And so we had to recreate the identity of our team. And so by having that loss, it kind of pushed that uh, snowball down the hill and now it's starting to gain momentum. And so now people are feeling more comfortable in the positions that they're playing and they're stepping up and making plays. And so it's a combination of waking a sleeping giant but also the way I'm looking at it as it's a really great thing for our team and our franchise long-term because it's that that next woman up type of mentality is that as these players start to develop and feel more confident, we're starting to get some of those players that were injured early back. Um, Obviously I can't come back this year and a couple others can't, but there are a couple that have come back. Like we are now starting to finally get our uh, center our starting center back um, and then Adrian Wilson, who is a long-time amazing receiver who tore uh, Achilles heel last year, she's finally back. So we're, we're starting to add some pieces back, and as we start to go further down the season, I think the momentum's going to carry. Well, now, you, Holly, you this is have... I just got to jump in real quick, Troy, because um, Holly said something really, really important, and I want to jump on it before I have to um, get off. But when you were saying, you know, about the loss and how it really impacted you, is that one of those situations where you needed to have a setback so that you can reevaluate and rediscover your strengths? Because sometimes what I find is in when you're so set in an identity that it sometimes prohibits you from being able to discover what else you can do. So, like, we were talking earlier this evening um, – about Seattle and how, you know, the boom really defined them in terms of defense. And now they're going to have to 
And now that they're changing, they're going to have to redefine who they are as a team and still figure out a winning formula. Are you guys kind of going through the same type of transition with your team? I I think so, yes. But I, I think um, because that's that's football. It's, it's always going to be fluid, and that's the tough part is that you can only – uh, you know, have an identity really so long because the personnel changes so quickly. You know, people move on, people get injured, things happen, you change, you know, uh, schemes, you change coaches. And so you really can't afford to be stuck in one identity too long. Um, but I actually think you're absolutely correct in the fact that it it's forced us to change not exactly what we do, just the, maybe the style in which we do it a little bit. And honestly, I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of these players that weren't getting that opportunity earlier. And now they're getting that opportunity, and now they're starting to get more confident and they're growing. Um, for example, um, uh, Mike Forsman was a rookie last year, and she's very, very, very fast, one of the fastest people I've ever seen live. Um, but she was a little uh, – on the raw side last year just because she, you know, hadn't played football, and that's normal. But this year she's really starting to come into her own. And she's, she played a lot of safety last year, and now they're kind of putting her in a, on the rotation and linebacker. And I'm telling you, she's going to be a force there. She plays some outside linebacker, and she reads very well, and especially on outside plays. Like, she reads it, and then she goes and attacks it, and she makes the play. Like, she doesn't hesitate at all. And she's really starting to feel uh, more confident in what she's doing. So players like her um, and April Brown playing uh, uh, linebacker as well, and she's a rookie, people like that are starting to develop. And in the long term, if we can keep these pieces together, we're just going to be better in the long term, and we're going to have a lot more depth that we previously didn't have. And that's what I and that's what I'm you know thinking because like I said, so many times you get stuck in that identity, and you may have really talented people in your team, but you don't know what they have to offer because their talent may not fit the current culture or the current you know system or style. And now that you know those who were running that style are not able to do it because of injuries or you know they've moved on or what have you, now it's time to, like you said, let's see what they have to offer and then figure out how to build around their strength, you know, like, for example, in New England, the Bill Belichick way. Now, how he does right. it, I have no idea. How he still it has to be the hoodie. Yeah, I know, it has to be the map of the hoodie. <laughs> so, the, the, the evil empire. If only okay. Erica was here right now. He's using <laughs> some kind of Jedi mind trick to make all the players disconform. Oh. But other than in New England, I haven't seen it work. You know, whenever a new GM comes in, even in D.C., Troy, I'll tell you, we're, we're watching it here. When the new GM comes in, he's bringing in his new people with his new style, with the way or, or the, the new coach wants to run their system, their style, and they're either going to bring in people that fit it or they're going to come in and work with what they've got and build something around the strength of the talent that's here. And I, and I and I think that that's really good, not only for your team, but I think it's also good for the game because that's also encouraging to other young ladies to figure out what it is they have to offer and how they can contribute to the sport as opposed to saying, oh, I can't play because I'm not 
600 pounds and I'm not 6'6". Six, six. And because I'm not going to lie, I looked at the Divas and, and the Dallas Elite, and I looked at Troy and said, yeah, I don't know about this. You know, because I thought maybe I might want to put, you know, pad up for a game or two. And I was like, yeah, you know, stand it up close because I don't know what I would have to offer. And I think that having that switch might be beneficial. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm okay. First of all, I mean, I've had players um, that I played with that are like five foot, if that, and then like 100 pounds helping wet. The great thing about football is need everybody. You need like the big people, you need the small people, and you, everybody has their specific job. And then you're all working your specific jobs together for one common goal, and that's what's so great about it. So, yes, you can still pad up and, and, and go. There's no problem with that. And, I mean, if you see the big people, you just run away from them. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I saw those ladies. I would be running for my life. And so I don't know. I'm sorry, Holly. I, I, think, I think she got really wide eye when she saw Jimmy Strong <laughs> and she saw the whole yes, I did. You know, Rachel Hall uh, and everybody else on that DC line. You know what I mean? That's, that's just man, intimidation. there's some big <laughs> – there's some big women out there, and I try to explain it to people that haven't seen Not just football. the D.C. line. Remember, because when I went over yeah. to the elite side, and I'm looking at – I said – and I'm looking at my little arms, and I said, thank God for these power legs because I'll karate kick somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I try to explain the, the sizes to people that don't play or haven't seen women's football because they have this, I think, um, preconceived notion that, oh, it's because just women, and I'm like – I'm like, these mm. people, you don't understand. Like, I tackle they people power that are literally lift, three they, times my size. <laughs> yes, they power lift. They do all of the above. I mean, and, and and I'm not talking about, like, a bunch of fat, out-of-shape females either. No, they're, they're strong. They're athletes. They were strong. They were muscular. And they were in shape. And they were in good athletic condition. Because truthfully, and I said to Oscar, why is this game three hours? Uh, two o'clock cutoff, <laughs> two o'clock cutoff, you know, two hour cutoff. He said, um, there's no commercial time here. He's like, there's no, there's, there's, there's no, there's no money rules that where, where they have to give up an hour of play um, so that they can get these uh, TV endorsements. He said, they're going for the grit. I said, Lord have mercy, Jesus. I said, yeah. Lethal assault is the game. Lethal assault. If you're on defense, when, uh, I was told by a player a long time ago on an interview that, uh, as a Holly will probably, uh, you know, agree with me, Holly obviously has an injury now, but uh, as soon as she heals, it's it's going back to assaulting people. <laughs> uh, just, and it's unfortunate that her knee didn't get assaulted by anybody else, which is, I guess, good and bad. But, you know, it just, it's not, it's some, for some people, I think it's kind of like a stress relief. And it also uh, gives them a, another outlet to just take out frustration. And obviously it's, it's in a game mode, but it, it, it Oh, and it help, was working you know, because I could see a lot of frustration on yeah. both sidelines. I could see. Uh, and when you're losing, it's also, even worse. Oh, yes. And, and trust me, I promise you, um, whatever um, vengeance Kool-Aid the, DC, the Dallas Elite was drinking, they drank. They didn't have Haterade. They didn't have Gatorade. They had Vengeance Aid. That they were drinking oh, Vengeance my. Aid because I'm telling you, it's serious. But um, and I gotta run, and I hate that I have to run. You know, um, 
because I'm hit my time. But Holly, thank you again so much for coming on. And you know, I absolutely love chatting with you and, and I love hearing you come and share this perspective. And, you know, it, it really and truly is enlightening because seeing it, talking to you, and then also with us both being marketing ladies, you know, it really, it, it definitely has just been a pleasure. So guys, I'll catch you on the flip side next week. Same bat time, same bat right. channel. All right. Good night, have everyone. Good night. Thanks. Good so Holly, um, there we are. I don't think she's going to catch up. I'll just be honest with you right now. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, she'll be the reporter on the sidelines and that'll be her gig. <laughs> pretty um, much. Uh, hey, Holly, yeah, pretty much. One to, to ask you a question real quick. Um, sure. So this, this week you guys have Everett. Uh, you guys dispatched them a little bit easily first game of the season. Then you guys have a bye. And then you have Southern Oregon, who you guys just beat also. Um, and then you have another bye. Now, I know mm-hmm. the whole cliche about not looking forward. You guys got to be chomping at the bit to get back in Portland. You guys have to. I, I'm just saying, like, a month from today, you guys have Portland coming into your home. I know that you guys have to be chomping at the bit to just get your hands on them one more time. Uh, you, you know what? Absolutely. Um, uh, of course, we have to still, you know, face Everett in, in Southern Oregon, and uh, we very much respect both teams. Um, uh but you're right in in the fact that that's going to be, you know, for the division. And so we definitely have a circle on that calendar. We're not there yet. Um, and the way that the season broke down for us, having a couple of bodies on there, I think will help, uh, you know, heal some people that are a little banged up because we haven't had a buy yet. And um, this will be our coming up, our sixth straight game. Uh, so the way that the season broke, you know, we kind of need that time, I think, for people to rest up. But I'm looking forward to the next two games in particular so we can build that momentum going into that Portland game. Uh, we still have some stuff to work on. Uh, but definitely we're excited for that game because it will really show us, you know, how much we've improved, where we're at, and hopefully that we can um, take that game back and, and, and hopefully take the division back because – you know, this the this, this this Seattle team has uh been such a force for several years up here. Um and it's it's been a back and forth between Seattle and Portland even longer than that. So it's kind of a sense of pride in the Northwest. It's kind of like the Oregon Ducks played, you know, the Washington Huskies. Um mm-hmm. and and so yeah, we're definitely excited. That's no different than Force and Divas this weekend, I guess. Yeah, the Forest and Divas, the Yankees and the Red Sox, um, <laughs> you name it. There you go. Yeah, you know they they didn't they didn't make that schedule this way for, for no reason. So I mean they they, no. they pretty much know who's going to come down to, or you know they kind of you know think about who's going to come down to, and it just makes it that much more interesting at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I mean um, with this new tier system. Um, it's going to be a huge game. And so uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. Um, you know, Portland, having combined the two Portland teams, uh, they've improved a lot in the fact that they've combined 
two teams that had athletes and they combined, you know, both sets of athletes and they seem to have merged pretty well. Um, it's going to be a battle. I mean, every time I've ever played the Shockwave, it's always been very physical. So I expect it to be kind of a, a grudge match on that last game. So, Ollie, week five. Uh, so we'll talk about that because, you know, we got to uh, basically uh, – pack up and, and be out of here in about 20 minutes or so, or 15 minutes. So let's talk week five. Um, you know, Boston over Philly. Uh, we, we knew Philly has improved, and we're talking the Phantoms. Uh, they were up and down. But, you know, when they when they go up against tier one competition, it just doesn't seem like their score is 60 points. <laughs> it's a reasonable 12 or, you know, or under, which is, you know, to be expected, right. of course, because you're, you're, you're playing a better competition. Pittsburgh, 26 in a row. Horton, Baker. Uh, Katoni, uh, we we can go down the list. Pretty pretty impressive people there in Pittsburgh. So 55 to six against the Dark Angels. I don't think anybody anticipated Detroit to even be competitive in this game. 26 in mm-hmm. a row. Uh, they're looking at the I guess their 90th 99th win coming this next week. They're looking at their 100th franchise win. So they're playing uh, the Keystone Assault, which is a Pennsylvania matchup. Keystone's not the same that they have been in the last two uh, seasons. So we'll see how that turns out, but I'm assuming Pittsburgh will win. Then you had the force just completely be a force against the Comets. Um, so, you know, we talked to the to Tracy Day and, and Zoe Barnett here at, before this. So they're going to face, you know, tier one competition now. Chicago's been on a roll, mm-hmm. tier three, tier two, and all of a sudden here's the uh, playoff prepper, as you want to call it, against the champs. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, you had some good games um, you know, uh, Divas beating uh, Atlanta, which always is a tough game. But unfortunately, you know, uh, the Divas just have more offensive weapons all the way around. And their defense is always – they've just improved since playing the Elite. I think they've just stepped up a, a level beating Boston, and now all of a sudden they're beating Phoenix. Um, so competition there, I mean, I think they're just, they're just starting to – they're starting to get their, you know, their, their whole momentum going. Uh, Dallas, I don't think anybody expected – not to take anything away from the Sour Sisters, but I don't think anybody anticipated, and I know Odessa didn't, <laughs> uh, nobody anticipated that the Elite was going to lose to the Casey Titans. I can tell you that right now. So I didn't anticipate that. 60-20. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, they stayed pretty neck and neck for about two quarters, and then it's always been that type of, that type of game with the Elite. They keep it close, and it's sort of like this halftime switch. Somebody just, I don't know, throws gasoline to a fire at halftime, and says, let's just get out of here now because we got to go. <laughs> and they just start right. racking up points left and right. Um, so very impressive, you know what I'm saying? It's like 60 to 20, and especially against Kansas City, which is a, a pretty good team. And then you got Portland on your side of the coast, 47 to 0 against Everett. Um, it's sort of the same, uh, I guess, introduction that they gave you in terms of mm-hmm. competition. So I would say at this point you would have to say that they're probably the elite on, out in the West next to the Central Cal, Cal, uh, Cal War Angels. And the funny thing is uh, Sin City was supposed to be competitive to Central Cal, and it looks like there's not even a competition here, 58-6. to six. Central Cal, since we're on that right now, Holly, I'm going to ask you a question. On their schedule, they're playing really within their own division and because they're out mm-hmm. west, I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to kill them in the playoffs because they're not even playing any tier one comp- competition until probably the playoffs, which at this point, 
it looks to me like they're going to get their automatic berth no matter what, the way they are basically just steamrolling everybody in their, on their schedule. Yes. Um, I, I looked at that earlier today too, in a way in it, you you only play who who's on these schedules, so sometimes you can't really control that. Um, but uh, I know that they have kind of restacked up this year. Um, mm-hmm. They're always very competitive, and they always have uh, a physicality to them. Um, but I think they've added some players uh, from around the area as well. Uh, and I think they're poised to, to make a, a run at the playoffs, but it'll be interesting to see because that is tough when, when you're playing uh, tier two and tier three teams and then all of a sudden you go up a level for the veterans. It's, it's not as difficult because you've, you've been around them enough to see that, that jump in competition. Uh, but it's tougher for the rookies and the, and the younger um, lesser experienced players, because you, you think that this level is what football is about. And then you go up a level right. and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, that, wow, not even, we're totally in a different ballgame now. And, and so that happens. Um, so it will be interesting to see how, how that plays in, into how they uh, go into the playoffs. But I definitely expect them to be in the playoffs, no question. Oh, yeah. So let's go to week six before we let you go. We got, mm-hmm. uh, we'll put you on the spot if that's okay with you and that's okay with us. Because, you know, okay. you're not going anywhere. You're on, you're on crutches right now, so you're on the spot. Um, Divas, Force and Divas, uh, we, we have Rachel Gore, who you know very well. Mm-hmm. And you have Allison Hamlin, who you probably know very well as well. So mm-hmm. Hamlin, Gore, and we're not even throwing in any, any of the other people. If you throw in Grisby and Barnett and, um, uh, uh, you know, Jeanette Gray, you throw in all the other top talented players on both sides of the ball here. Um, can DC, uh, is, is this a must win for DC? That's the question. And is this, if they lose, if Chicago loses, is this a reality check for the fact that they've been steamrolling the last couple of weeks? Um, so is it a must win for the divas? Um, yes and no. Yes. And the fact that it, it win, um, uh, a win at Chicago would really, get the momentum going back into the playoffs and it would really do a lot to reestablish, you know, um, their standing and, and the scheme of things, but knowing that if it's a hard fought game, which is what I expect it to be. And, and they end up losing, I don't think it will kill them because they're look how talented that team is. There's just no way that would kill them. It might hurt them yeah. in the, in the playoff seating a little bit, but I, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd want to face, DC on my schedule in the playoffs, no matter what team I'm at. So I don't think that will kill them. And then what was the second part to the question? No, I was saying if 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 the Force lose, uh, mm-hmm. it, would they be a, would this be kind of like a tribute to the fact that this is their first real tier tier one competition in the season so far? Um, yes and no. I mean, the same same issue with, with Central Cal that it's tough you know, for the younger players to make that jump in competition level. But then also, no, because that team in Chicago is also stacked in, in talent and a lot of veteran talent, so they know what to expect. And so I don't think a loss to from either side would really kill them. I think it's going to be a very competitive game, uh, probably go down to the wire, in my opinion. All right, so I am predicting Chicago by two scores. 
Um, I don't know, Troy, what do you think? Uh, Chicago by how many scores at this point? Well, I mean, I, the one thing I do know is that it's going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, both of these teams put up a lot of points. Um, it, it Honestly, I think when it comes down to high-scoring games, it's going to come down to who makes that mistake late and who can capitalize off of mistakes late. And I'm not talking about a drop pass here, drop pass. I'm talking about turnovers, um, flipping the field. I think all of those things are going to take uh, take its toll by the time the fourth quarter comes around. So I think that's what it's going to end up coming down to. Whoever makes the biggest mistake at the worst at the worst time. So you're taking DC. Ah. Uh, uh, you know, Come on, you're Homer. Chicago's, Chicago's been scoring too much, man. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to to pick against them at this point. I mean, this team is. I mean, what was it? You know, uh, the, the the highest scoring team in in league history. I mean, it's kind of hard oh, yeah. to bet against that right now. You know, I mean, so they they're on a roll like like no other. So. I'm going to have to go with Chicago here. I'm going to have to pick Chicago. Um, I think Zoe's probably going to end up scoring about three touchdowns. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm going to have to pick Chicago going against the hometown team here. So, Holly, we're putting you on the spot here. Uh, what, what do you, who do you feel is going to be the big the big winner? Oh, man, that, that's really tough uh, because, obviously, D.C. won the whole thing last year. They have a, you know, veteran-laden uh, roster um, Chicago is full is in full tilt right now. I'm gonna say it's probably going to be. I'm gonna go Chicago by five points, and it's gonna come wow. down to a turnover late. Okay, that's fair. Um, I don't think Pittsburgh's gonna have an issue beating Keystone, <laughs> and I don't believe Boston's gonna have an issue beating Cleveland. Um, and I believe Odessa is just gonna. Salvage, uh, you know, just be excited. The fact that she, uh, the Austin uh, Outlaws are just going to be introduced to elite football this weekend again. Um, so the, the the tier one teams, I think this this uh, this week, I don't think it's going to be uh, a surprise where the tier one teams are going to end up in terms of the uh, of the uh, the column in terms of the win column. Um, will you guys agree with that? You think? Uh, yes. Troy, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it just—it's—I—I I don't see how, uh, you know, somebody would just blow up and, and all of a sudden upset. But there is opportunity there. Portland taking on the best name in women's football, the Tacoma Trauma. It's my favorite he name loves in the that name. He, he I love that, that name. name. Tacoma <laughs> Trauma. I mean, it's just—it's the best name in football. I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh, if your defense is so stout. And you have that name. I mean, they're just—it's a fear factor already walking in. Uh, I can only envision stretchers and people being hauled out on ambulances. That's how I envision that name. So, anyways, shout out to Tacoma Trauma. But I don't believe it's going to be that kind of a day for them. It will be the opposite of their name. I think the the Portland Fighting Shockwaves are going to put them in the hospital in the uh, and put them in the trauma. I can't go against Portland. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's just like it's, I I I wish you well. Uh, your your name is awesome, but I think this this week, uh, as Holly's Holly's already seen the the Portland Shockwave firsthand, so 
I'm assuming, Ollie, you're not taking the trauma. Uh, as much as I love some of those, you know, uh, players on that team, no, not not at this point. They 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 have a lot of growth that they've achieved over the last couple of seasons, but uh, I think Portland is on a roll right now. Yeah. So, hey, hey, um, so at this point, yeah, go ahead. Oscar, you're going, to, you're going to have to now come up with a pun every single week, man. So you're going to have to start writing. You're going to have to be like a comedy writer from now on. Call a trauma. Because this is the third week <laughs> oh, in a row. I, I, just, I can't help it. The third it's, week in a row that you dropped this trauma. I can't help it. It's like, it's like the best name in football. It's like the best name in football. I, I just can't help it. I mean, besides, oh. Dal- besides Odessa's team, which, you know, when you say you're elite and she can back it up, I mean, that's just – that's what it says. When you put your name out there and says, this is elite, uh, you can tell that she's passionate about, you know, putting – building up to that name and committing to that name. You know, when somebody faces you, you know, she's really up front and says, we are the best. Do you understand? Our name is an elite <laughs> team. And, you know, so on the other side, it's like if you're on the defensive side of the ball like Holly is and your name is Trauma, I hate to be the offensive – people on that side of the ball if, if you've got 11, 11 feared women on one side of the ball that are going to just tell you you're going to the hospital that's just not good <laughs> not good at all <laughs> yeah it, it'll be an ambulance ride that's what I'm saying if you're if you got that name you gotta you know what I mean <laughs> uh, but there's also the flip side right Holly you, you could be the trauma if you're a bad team that's not a good name. <laughs> you, 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 you can turn, turn it around, too. Yeah, you can turn it around. That's a great name. I'll say it's a great name. Shout out to Tacoma for the great name. That's all I'm saying. Um, Holly, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I don't know if you'll be here next week, but if you decide to be here next week, you're welcome anytime. So, um, and, and it's been nice. I've had feedback from people telling us, hey, it's been great that you have uh, Holly on talking not just Majestics football, but, you know, WFA in general and your perspective on the whole, the whole league in terms of, you know, uh, the, the top teams and where they structure themselves and how the season's going and all this. So it's, it's been great that you are able to make the time for us and then uh, obviously give your insights in terms of the season. And it's, it's, for us, it's just like a treat to have you on because, you know, you're giving us a, a real perspective, uh, uh, somebody that we can just, you know, come up with something and, and then you're going to turn around and just fluff our hair and go, let just give you a reality check of really, it really looks like. Um, so it's actually great that you, that you get the feedback to us that way. Um, so I really appreciate it. And, um, and everybody that follows on Twitter as well appreciates it. No, I, I love being on here. Um, it, it's, it's great fun for me. It's, uh, it, you know, it, it's great for me to feel, you know, still connected to everything despite my injury. It's a great outlet for me. So I appreciate being on here. Awesome, and we we hope you continue on because we'd rather we, we we look forward to the playoffs and we look forward to the, obviously the national championship. Uh, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great to get your insights on in some of the teams uh, in the playoffs. Of course, some of those you've probably, you're probably gonna see again, and you're gonna you know face them, and you faced them mm-hmm. before. So it's always nice to get feedback from you know some of the marquee players on the roster that you give us a firsthand outlook in terms of your experience with them. Um, so it kind of gives us a nice outlet to the fans to give uh, the WFA sort of an, an NFL-like status, you know what I mean? So people can relate to uh, the players 
on your perspective level because you're an equal, you're a player just like they are. So it helps us out right. that way. So I really appreciate it. Um, so we'll catch you next week if that's the case. I'll chime you in and see if you, unless you got anything else happening, like you, you know, you've had in a couple of weeks back. But other than that, we can always recap a two-week setting. So I appreciate you coming on and uh, making the time. Thank you for having me. Have a great night. All right, Holly. Enjoy your week. Hope your rehab's going better. Um, At 50% weight bearing, so we're getting there. All right. Awesome. Progress. That's great to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. All right. Have a great night. All right. Bye, Holly. All right, Holly Custis. So uh, we're going to do the recap really quick because we've got seven minutes. Um, so I, uh, Troy, uh, I didn't have, uh, I'm on the road, so I don't have the script. So let's, uh, let's run down. Um, we already did the WFA. Uh, let's go ahead and run down, uh, Legends Football League this weekend. It was acoustics taking, uh, I believe acoustics, uh, taking on the Liberty in Austin. And that was, uh, basically, t- uh, Tisha Winfrey and the acoustics and they rebound from their 44 to eight loss to Seattle. And I don't, I don't know if you got to see the game, but if you, if you haven't got to see the game, go ahead and go see it at Legends Football League on YouTube. And so the, the Austin Acoustics rebound from a 44-8 loss to the Champs, and so they beat the Liberty. The Liberty fall to 0-2. It's going to be a tough rebound for them. It's a rookie team. Austin, very grateful that they have a 1-1 one one record right now. Uh, obviously, facing you know another expansion team helps you. Uh, the Omaha Heart uh, took care of the Liberty 26-6 before that in that week. Seattle beat uh, the Tation 20 to 12, if I'm correct. 20 to 12. It was in Los Angeles, and uh, the issue there, if you watch the game, and it's on LFL uh, Legends Football League, if you watch the game, the uh, Megan Hansen snap mistakes really cost them uh, a lot of yardage towards the end. They were very competitive. Jane Conwell uh, was playing really good ball towards the second half. Uh, just couldn't get you know enough balls to her weapons. She did score a touchdown. So you'll get to see it uh, on Legends Football League, so you can retract that um, and kind of go through the quarters with that. And so it's a good game to have. They have rebounded, Troy, from a lousy broadcast back to their normal broadcast, so I have to applaud them. And uh, hats off to the LFL office for making the correction. Um, So this weekend you have uh, these L.A. Temptations taking on the Dallas Desire uh, in uh, Texas. So um, it's a a battle of one team looking for a first win, the other team – looking to get uh, an even 500. So that's a good battle there. And we got to go to Gridiron Victoria before we bail out of here. Gridiron Victoria, shout out to Rochelle Cranston, um, Kylie West, and the girls out there, the Geelong Bucks, take care of the Melbourne Chargers. Melbourne was coming in with a four-game winning streak. Hats off to them. They played uh, admirably 38-24. Vic Bowl champions for 2016, the Geelong Bucks in Gridiron Victoria. Uh, the rest of the the rest of the slate, since we we're at a little bit of time here, the rest of the slate you can follow us on the uh, Red Iron Beauties to run down on all the things happening, plus the previews for this coming week in terms of the WFA, the IWFL. If you want to go to the IWFL site at iwflsports.com, you can go and get the rundown there in terms of standings and the weekly roundup. So um, Troy, um, I don't know if I missed something, but we're not going to go through the whole slate. But other than that, um, it's pretty much we can do a send off for us here. Um, I know I wrote it down, but I don't have it in front of me. So. Yeah. Well, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Zoe Barnett, and Tracy day of the Chicago force. 
and also of the GC Stingrays. Thank those guys for coming on. They were definitely awesome. Of course, as always, thank you, Holly Custis, for coming on and helping us out and uh, giving your take on everything going on um, uh, in women's football. Um, Also wanted to give you guys a reminder uh, to follow our podcast, and don't forget to follow us for the latest happenings in women's gridiron news. You can follow us at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter and talk NFL all the time with our co-host at Keisha Free. You can follow her at Keisha's Cuties and myself at Troy Wilson underscore one on Twitter and also at Pat's Fangirl 12 and Fit for Life uh, at Fit for Life. Uh, that's um, L-Y-F-E. And for uh, myself and in Keisha Free, again, Holly Custis, and, of course, the guy, Oscar Lopez, whom which I share a birthday with. want to thank you guys for listening with us, and uh, we will definitely see you guys next week for the Gridiron Blitz. All right, right here on Block Talk Radio, UltimateSportsTalk.com, and John M. Davis Books at Wix.com, LFL Network. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. We'll see you back next week right here on the Gridiron Blitz. See you guys.